Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. So there's this book in the Old Testament, and it's called... Hey, you see, you already got part of it, okay? So give yourself some grace this morning, all right? Now, I don't care if you've never read the Bible in all your life. I, I, I do. Let me take that back. Flip and read your Bible, okay? Um, but here's the other part of that. If you haven't, I want you to be in the same place. So if you haven't opened it up in a long time, or the Bible kind of freaks you out because you're going, I don't know what all this scripture is, don't worry. It's going to be okay. I'm going to bring you with on this journey. We're going to go in deep, though, on this journey, okay? And so I need you, if you've never looked at the Bible before, you're probably going to want to go back and read Lamentations, look at it. Once a year, I love to do this, take a book and just go through it and look at what is the meaning for us today? How do we contextualize what's happening then and go, what does this mean for my life today? What does this mean for my world? Because I don't know about you, but when I read my Bible, everything I read about points to my situation today because it's like God knows something. Amen? If you cannot find the Bible relevant or you don't see it as relevant, it's because you're not looking in the Bible. And so look to the Word, because the Word will challenge you, it will change you, and it will meet you where you need to be met. And so we're going to dive in. This was 22 verses right here. There was a lot of Scripture I just gave to you, and we're going to give you a lot of Scripture the next five weeks in the book of Lamentations. Now, out of curiosity, by round of applause, how many have done a dissertation or studied a master's degree Bible study on the book of Lamentations? Anybody? See, we're all in this together right now, okay? Nobody clapped. Everybody's scared just like us, okay? So we're good. We're good. I'm going to bring you on this journey. We're going to unpack what it means. We're going to unpack what's happening because I believe for us today, one of the things that God wants us to do, no matter our circumstance, Pastor Derek prayed about it. He said, man, whether you're doing great, whether it's been sucky, I just, that's what he was trying to say. I just say it how it is. Okay. And either way, we want God to meet us where we're at. And I believe he wants to do that. And so I believe, and that's why I've titled this series, this month, I believe is going to change somebody's life. Prophetically, I believe that. Even today, I believe that. Some of you need to find your joy again. Now, I'd, I'd ask for you to raise your hand who is that, but we could probably all use a little bit more joy, okay? So, so just some practice before we dive in to the theological. Uh, there's, there's some certain things that we can do to find joy again. One, one is this. Stop listening to the world. <laughs> Can I hear a good amen, somebody? Yeah. All right. Well, Pastor Chris, I love CNN. Well, you, <laughs> Pastor Chris, I love Fox. Shut it off. Shut it off. Okay? It's not doing anybody any good. Well, Pastor Chris, I want to go on social media and I want to look and see how my friends are doing. I just want to see how they're doing. No, you don't. You're comparing how bad your life is to how good theirs is, so shut up. I know not you, you're better than that. You go on there to post your pictures and all of that, but here's the deal. What happens is we start comparing, we start contrasting, we start losing our joy, and here's what I want for you so much, for every person, I don't care your age, even if you walked in here this morning going, I'm a skeptic, I don't even know what I think of church, and you felt like the gates of hell were going to prevail on you as you walked through the doors, okay? Used to be there, didn't grow up in the church. I want you to know that you're in good company because God's going to wreck you, Amen. God's going to wreck you if you allow him in a good way, okay? So pray with me, and then we're going to unpack this together this morning, all right? Here's what I want you to do, though. You have permission at the end of service today, throughout the week, throughout the month. I'm going to be here every Sunday through August. And so if you're like, 
I'm not sure I'm following, Pastor Chris. You come find me, because make sure you are. Look at it on your own. I have 30 minutes to give you probably three months' worth of theology, okay? So what does it mean to us? What's the insight that God is giving to you? What do you question about it? And then how does it apply to our life? And let's look at that. So we're going to have a little BS together this morning. Amen? Amen. Bible study, all right? (laughs) Bible study. Let's pray. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you, Lord, that in your Old Testament and in your New Testament, you are God. Lord, you haven't changed. You had a perfect plan in place. Lord, seeing that we need you, we need your grace, and we need the love, the grace, and the mercy of a Savior. And so you sent your Son, the Christ, Jesus, so that we could be forgiven. Lord, that we can lay our hearts bare and and our sins and everything that we've done, and yet you still call us, as we sing, the righteousness of God because you see your Son in us. And we just want to thank you this morning, and we praise you. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, so let's, let's unpack this a little bit. Let's just paint a little bit of a picture. Okay, I tell you what, I get so fired up because I'm a Bible nerd, okay? I love my Bible so much. I tell you what, when I'm struggling, when I have feelings of guilt or shame, or I'm doubting my calling, or I have, you know, grief, I go to the Word, man. The Word is so powerful, and I just challenge you to do that because it will speak life into you. We have five chapters in the book of Lamentations, super short book. Before it, we have this huge, ginormous book, called Jeremiah. So you've got 37 books in the Old Testament, okay? 39, excuse me, 27 in the New, 39. And so right before the book of Lamentations, you have the book of Jeremiah. Now, everybody say Jeremiah. Jeremiah, okay? So just remember Jeremiah. Jeremiah is noted as the author of Lamentations. Now, there's some scholars that think maybe it's somebody else. Jeremiah, was he the author of Jeremiah? I'm glad you asked, because I love getting nerdy with you. So here's the deal. I, I'm just having fun. If you're not, I don't care, because I'm having fun. So here's the deal. So book of Jeremiah is 52 chapters. It's a really long book. Parts of it are just, good night. And then parts of it are like, man, that's so life-giving. It just, it just blows your mind. But what's really interesting is in the book of Jeremiah, God calls him to be a prophet to the nation Israel. He says, I'm calling you out to go and speak Life into Israel, into Jerusalem, the tribe of Judah. We just sang about the line of Judah, who was Jesus fulfilling who, who he was meant to be. Well, during this time in the book of Jeremiah, God calls him as a child at about the age of 12 to be this prophet. And Jeremiah's like, I'm just a kid. I can't do that. Like, God, you got the wrong guy. And eventually he goes and he starts sharing the message with the Israelites. And they ignore him. They're like, no, that calamity's not going to happen. Our cities aren't going to get destroyed. None of that bad stuff's going to happen. And they continue to ignore Jeremiah. So what happened during the book of Jeremiah is he's actually thrown in jail. He's actually thrown in a well that he can't get out, you know, because they think he's lying. So the, the religious leaders do this. The community leaders do this because they're like, all you're talking is this weird smack that we don't want to listen to. Well, finally, at the end of the book of Jeremiah, what's really interesting here, I'll get a little theological on you for a moment, at the end of chapter 51... Before chapter 52, the last chapter of Jeremiah, the end of chapter 51, ready for this? You're going to love this. The end of chapter 51 says the words of Jeremiah end here. Look it up. You don't believe me. But chapter 52, why is there chapter 52? Who wrote it? Well, scholars believe that Jeremiah didn't write Jeremiah. He spoke it, and there was a gentleman who was a scribe named Baruch that scribed the whole thing. How cool would that be? Just like if you wanted to write a book... And you had somebody that wanted to describe it for you? That'd be pretty cool, you know? Especially if it's a prophetic heavy book like Jeremiah. 
The belief is, at the end of chapter 51, Baruch, who is the scribe of Jeremiah, believed that it was unfinished. And so Baruch decided to go back through Scripture, find something in Scripture already, and staple it at the end of the book of Jeremiah. In fact, Jeremiah chapter 52 is about the fall and destruction of the city of Jerusalem. Lamentations is lamenting, it's Jeremiah's lamenting of what happened to Jerusalem when they didn't heed his warning to turn their hearts back to God. And so here's what's really interesting, though. The end of Jeremiah chapter 52, okay, you ready for this? Okay, are you with me? Okay, all right. So end of Jeremiah Jeremiah chapter 52, Baruch probably wrote it. He added that in there. We don't know when or how that happened. It was compiled as the book of Jeremiah. But do you know that the end of Jeremiah chapter 52 is photocopied at least three times in your Old Testament? It's in 2 Kings, it's in 2 Chronicles, it's in the beginning of Ezra and Nehemiah, and it's at the end of Jeremiah. Why? Because somebody wanted you to know that this was super important. In fact, this is one of the most important events in the entire Old Testament. So here's what happened. They didn't obey, and this group called the Babylonians showed up, which is probably somewhere around uh, modern-day Iraq, and they show up okay, in Israel, in the city of Jerusalem, and here it is, this old city with all the walls, And the Babylonian Empire, King Nebuchadnezzar at the time, comes in and sieges the city, probably in 589 B.C. Takes about two and a half years till 586, depending on some scholar somewhere around there. Goes and attacks the city, plunders the city, takes it, burns the city to the ground, and then takes all the people that are left alive and standing, families, everybody, and takes them in with them to Babylon. They are then in captivity and exile for the next 70 years. So once Jerusalem is destroyed. King Nebuchadnezzar brings them into Babylon. They are now there for 70 years. So during this time before this, here's what takes place. What takes place is Jeremiah looks at that and he's lamenting like, why didn't you listen to me? Why didn't you heed my warning? You would have been filled with joy. You would have, you would have had to figure it out, but you missed it. And I'll tell you what, in the last year, and most of you have heard me say this, if you're new here, you haven't heard me say this, but my prayer in the last couple years has been this. God, show us, or let me see my need for you before I feel my need for you. Okay? Think about that. Let me see my need for you before I feel it. Because I'll tell you what, when you feel your need for God, he does that because he wants your heart back. A lot of people say, well, God's evil. Look what he did. God is just and loving all at the same time. He's perfect in every way. So when God says, I'm going to do something, does he do it? He does it. And so God went through with it. And people are like, well, that's a mean Old Testament God. Thank God he sent Jesus and he changed. He never changed. It was his perfect plan all along. Why did God send them to Babylon? Because they were disobeying. And so was that like, you know, God spanking the Israelites? I guess. But why was he doing it? I believe it's a little different. And we're going to unpack that this morning. Okay? They didn't follow God's ways. Now, now I would say out of round of applause, don't do this. But if we all clapped and said, how many times in our lives... Did we not follow God's ways? We'd all be applauding, okay? If not, you need to applaud because you're a sinner and a liar, all right? So we've all messed up. We've all screwed up. We've all done something stupid. Maybe, maybe it's been a few minutes, but we've all been there, okay? And so here they go, and they're in this city. Now, I don't know about you. I'm a skeptic, so I love to dig into the science, the theology, the history, the context, all of that. And so... I just want to show you a couple quick pictures that I thought were really cool of the excavation that's taking place where the Babylonian Empire, King Nebuchadnezzar, went in and burnt the city to ground and plundered it. So let me show you this first one. They just found this recently. Uh, this is an arrowhead 
Uh, this is actually from Nebuchadnezzar's army. They dated it back. Super cool to see. They found this as they've been excavating the last few years because the city was burnt to the ground. A lot of sand in the area. It's covered it up. So they're doing a lot of archaeological digging there with different universities and grants right now. It's hard to even get in there. So you can find a few things online. This is one of them. But this is the weapon that they were using when they went in to plunder it. I love this stuff. Go to the next one. This next one. This might not look like anything. In fact, this is really, really tiny. It's only a few inches long, if that, maybe a couple inches. Um, But this is actually an Israelite earring. And so these are very hard to find because it's made, this one's probably made out of gold here, but they would find the gold and the silver. And what do you think the Babylonians would do with it when they found it between 589 and 586 B.C.? They melted it down because it was more valuable for what they wanted, whether it was in weaponry or different things that they would utilize. So they went in, they destroyed Solomon's temple, they destroyed the city, they burned it to the ground, and they plundered this. So here's the deal. I just, I just like showing you a few archaeological things because it's so cool when you see history and you see the context of the Bible and you might think, well, just somebody wrote the Bible because they just wanted morals. No, this is actually historically noted, and you can follow this biblically. It's so cool. If you're into this, like I am, you can actually get an archaeological Bible. Super cool. If anybody thinks that's cool, say, yeah, I think it's cool. Yeah, I think it's really cool. So once their lives are destroyed, here they are. Their city walls are gone. Everything's in ruins. We find ourselves in the book of Lamentations. And I'll tell you this. If you just want to read through all five chapters, man, make sure you have something fun to do afterwards, because some of it can seem a little discouraging when you read That's what lament means, you know? He's lamenting. This book, though, is so cool, and here's why. You ready? Can I get nerdy with you? Are you okay? I'm I'm so nerdy today. I love it. So here's the deal. In the book, you have five books in Lament, or five chapters in the book of Lamentations, okay? Every single chapter, you ready for this? This is so cool. Every line, so in chapter one, chapter two, there's 22 verses. Every line starts chronologically with the letter of the Hebrew alphabet in the book of Lamentations. So in other words, like our English language, it'd be an acrostic, A through Z. You know, they did their language. Now, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but they go through it. Why is that important to see? Well, one, when we pick up the Bible, we don't see that right away. You've got to look and research and study to find that. But what it shows to me is somebody took time, and this really came from their heart. This was personal. How many, like poetry? I'm not a big poet kind of guy. I'm not into poetry. But when you read it, you can see the heart behind what's happening. And so there's a lot of constructive language that is not meant to be taken literal. It's meant to be looked at as poetry. Jeremiah is a prophetic book. And then we start with Lamentations, which is very much a poem. And so all five chapters follow that same structure. It's super cool. It shows the personality of Jeremiah. It shows his heart that he's lamenting is where he's at. Now, let me give you just a little side note, a little, little connotation here. Um, so I'm going to give you some big words. If you've never been in church, I don't want you to worry. I'm going to stay, stay with me. I usually don't give big words. I hate Christianese words, you know. Like, thou shalt be thy righteousness to Christ today. I hate that, all right? Here's the deal. You have this big thing called hermeneutics. What? Okay. Hermeneutics. All that is, just a fancy word of saying it's the theory of the study of biblical interpretation. In other words, what that means is, hey, there's got to be some kind of theory or some kind of way when we read Scripture that we process it, we look at it. Otherwise, what can take place is stuff can be out of context. My goal as a pastor is always to not take anything out of context, but to read it within the context. 
If we read it outside of the context, then we're not really sure in the intent that the Holy Spirit had when the Bible was written in all 66 books. And if you're Catholic, there's even more. All right, so we, we look in here and we go, what do we do with this? And so what I call this is it's basically contextual interpretation. So when I look at the Word of God, what I do is I go, first of all, who wrote it? What were they going through at that time? What was the history of that time? What was happening during this time? And we, we already went over that. That's what we painted a picture of already. But then secondly, okay, what did those phrases mean during this day? And here's just a huge caution. Anybody here, just raise your hand if you've ever heard of a concordance before. Raise, anybody heard of a concordance? If you haven't, what that is, it's where you go and you can take a word. There's a very famous one called Strong's Concordance. And you can grab a word and you can go into the concordance and you can look up a word and it tells you what the word means and everybody thinks it's the coolest thing in the world. My theological professor, when I was getting my master's at, at Bethel, he took his concordance and he laid it out in front of, in front of us, our class, and he, he put it right down in front of us and he had a lexicon, he had some other Bible dictionaries, and he said, this is what they're worth. And he started like jumping on them, like over and over. And I'm like, what are you doing, dude? He goes... What's happening is we get so focused on one word or we, you know, we get the, the one verse and what happens is we take it out and we end up making it mean something it was never meant to be. I'll give you a great example of this and it's found in Philippians. So this is just my side and a little teaching moment for you. Um, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? How many have heard that verse before? Anybody ever heard it used out of context? All the time. Man, I want to be a unicorn, Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God, I want a DeLorean with a real flux capacitor. What did God really mean? Well, if you read Philippians, you know the author. You know Paul has been beaten to death. He's been left for dead. He's been shipwrecked. He's had a life from H-E double hockey sticks, and he's still serving Christ, and he's beaten, he's bruised, and he's going, I don't know if I can go on, but he goes, God, I'll tell you what, in my last moments, Jesus, I'll tell you what, you give me the strength, I can make it through. So next time you think of that verse, it's not that you're getting your Ferrari, it's that God's giving you the strength to get over, get over or get through whatever your circumstance is. If you're with me, say yeah. yeah. All right. Everybody else say Yeah. <laughs> So let me just give you a few thoughts, because I really believe, my, my goal is this, and we're going through a book right now called Out of the Cave with Our Staff, and the last thing I want it to do is, is if you're down, I, 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 don't want, I want you to find your way out of that, and stay out. If you're out of that, don't go back into that, because God has brought you to that place for a purpose and a reason, but these people were going through this, you know, over thousands of years ago, and it was tough, it was really tough. And so we can learn from what they did or what they didn't do. And so I want to just bring this to fruition this morning. And so a few thoughts. One is, they were robbed of their joy. I mean, just imagine, you're living life, you're, we're at our little suburban home or your rural home, or maybe you're more in an urban environment, you're, you're renting, and, and all of a sudden, man, it looks like the movie Red Dawn, you know, where they come in, they attack, and we go somewhere else. It's like, what just happened? And, and you're like, I trust in God, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And yet, you watch your father, your mother pass away because it's been so many years, and you're going, how do, how do I do this? How do I work through this? Because this isn't what I thought. And so what happens is all of a sudden, we can allow our circumstances 
to basically allow our joy to be good or bad. And what I want to say or what I want to share with you is this. First, when life throws you an inescapable choice, joy is still a choice. Okay? It's always a choice. Well, Pastor Chris, you don't know my circumstance. Do you want to be the victim or the victor? I'm tired of victim mentality in our culture, man. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I'm tired. I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'll never make it. I'll never be. Shut up. Like, come on, man. I don't know about you, but my patience is like gone for that. I'm just like, look, you have a Jesus who loves you. Cling to him. Cling to him. And so it's so easy to get down, you know? You go through Taco Bell and they mess up your order. Oh, it's over. It's over. I went back a month later. They gave me a freebie. I'm okay. It's okay. All right. So how do we define joy? Can I just give you a real simple definition of joy? Real simple. This is my definition. I'm not saying this is a biblical definition. This is Pastor Chris's definition. You can, you can quote me on it. I don't care. All it is is a deep assurance in God. That's it. Deep assurance in God. That's genuine joy. D- j- joy is not like, oh, I'm just happy all the time. I'm just happy. Have you ever met like somebody that's overly optimistic? And you know it's like not real or genuine? And you're just like, oh, man, I just want to smack that smile off that person's face. We've all been there. Come on. I'm, man, I'm like really violent this morning, all right? We're going to hold you down for like at least a minute when we baptize you this afternoon, all right? Do you tithe? No? All right. No, I'm, I'm kidding. kidding. All right. Don't worry. I'm totally serious. All right. So then, but just imagine what they went through. That's a joke for those of you that are new here and don't know me. Send your, so my email is D-E-R-E-K at SFBridge. See, what they went through is unimaginable. Just, it's hard to even fathom what that would be like, losing your home, being sent into exile, being what it may, that would be tough. Lamentations 1-4, the first part of this verse, it said this, the roads to Zion mourn, for no one comes to her appointed festivals. In other words, man, they were the life. People would come, they would have these festivals and their celebrations and their Sabbaths, and they were able to live their religious life the way they wanted, taking it for granted, and that was all ripped away. We see later in the book of Daniel a few that stood firm and said, I'm not going to bow down to them, I'm going I'm to worship. In fact, there was some crazy stuff that happened, and I'm not going to get into it because I want to keep this PG-13, but just look up what they worshipped during this time, what the Baals represented. There's this thing called Asherah poles, and I'll, I'll give you a little clue to this. It looked like a phone pole, and, and it was straight up, and it was about the fertility god, or goddess, if you will, and they would have people dance on the pole, and the pole definitely represented something with an anatomy, and I'll just leave it there for you to figure out on your own. But these, ro- dead serious, by the way, that is truth in the Bible, okay? The roads, though, that were traveled all the time as people were going to the temple for the feats, it, it just was amazing, it was this life-giving time, now it's all gone. It's deserted it's desolate in fact i have a picture of what it looks like today here it is all right this this is this is the excavations last few years of what they've been doing um they're getting there Derek was over in israel i don't know if he went to this site or not i don't know if he's in here or not but here's the deal what's so cool and this is where they found you know the the different things that i showed you from archaeology here just a moment ago but what's crazy is look at this this used to be a bustling town they had, they had there, there were people, and we look at this as like, wow, that's cool history. But there were people that walked these streets. There were people that did business here. There was people that had their, their small business set up here. There was people that walked over here. There's there people that had family and friends and neighborhoods and, and, 
and all that going on, and their festivals, and the Temple of Solomon, and all of it gone, burnt to the ground. In fact, if you read some of the research that they've done, they've found many things that they can't tell what it is because it was burnt back in 589 to 586 B.C. You know what that does to my faith, though? It encourages it. You know why? When science and history continue to show the Bible accuracy, I love it. I love it. All right? So if you're a skeptic, dig in, man. Dig in. Why did God allow it to happen? Now, I hear that all the time. In fact, I had a text this morning before I got to church. Somebody said, I, I don't know if I want to be there. Why would God allow bad things to happen? You know, the question was, why does God give us free will when he could have just not given that and we all would have loved him? I don't know. There's times where I wish my kids didn't have free will too. It'd be great. I'd do exactly what I want, but that's going to get boring. I don't want a puppet. I want them to want to say, I love you, Dad. I want them to want to, you know, embrace me. I want them to, you know, be who they are. And I would rather them make a mistake a hundred times than be a puppet and never make one. That's what I want. I, don't, I think only God's greater with that whole idea and that whole concept. That's how much he loves us. So why did he allow it to happen? This is my belief. And it's true. <laughs> he allowed it to happen because he wanted their hearts back. He wasn't like, screw you, I hate you, get out of here, I'm sending you to Babylon because I want you to destroy... Okay, I'm violent this morning. No. God sent them there because he knew what it would take to get their hearts back. Again, my prayer. God, help me see my need before I feel it. Because what happened to them? They didn't see their need. Oh, they felt it. They felt it, man, once they were over in Babylon. Next is this. Let me put this on the screen. Joy is found in repentance. What's repentance? This is a funky church where we got hermeneutics floating around this morning. Now we got repentance floating around. Repentance is simply this. Anybody visual learner? I'm a visual learner. That's why we do PowerPoint for you, okay? Visual learner. Watch this. Repentance. I'm going this way. Don't want to anymore. I change and I do something different. And I go exactly 180. That's repentance. Moving on. All right. It's that simple. It's going, well, I'm being stupid. I'm sinning. I'm making mistakes. I'm worshiping things I shouldn't. I'm done with that. Moving on. That's it. That's all it is. There's nothing... Well, it's a big, fancy church word, though. Shouldn't we unpack it a little bit more and do some hermeneutical study and some interpretation connection? Why do we complicate things in the church, you know? People in the world look at us like we're nuts, all right? You know, for me, repentance is this. I, I didn't grow up in church, and I don't know about you, but we would go to the Noka County Library. In fact, I kind of grew up in Ham Lake my first few years, and if you know where that library is, before that library was there, there was just Soderquist Supermarket on Highway 65 in Crosstown, right in that area. And then they built the shopping mall when I was like five, you know, and they put in Subway there, and, and then they put in Ben Franklin, and then they put in the library. And so I went to the library because I love free movies that you can rent. And so we go to the library, and you can get free movies now because I didn't read as a kid. I hated reading as a kid, actually. It's just funny how I hated reading now I read all the time. And, and I go there, and, and I remember... I would get these choose-your-own-adventure books on occasion. That's the only thing I could read. I loved those. They were amazing. And then I forgot where it went. Brought it home. Couldn't find it. And uh, they called and called and called. There was no email or anything yet. And so they were calling our house phone. Hey, I just want you to know, if you don't bring it, it's going to keep going up, the cost and all this. Well, I never to this day, I've never found the book. I don't know where it ended up. There wasn't Amazon. You couldn't, like, buy one and sell it, send it to them. So here's the deal. What happened is... Not just me and my family, but the other people in my household had racked up late fees 
in rental fees over and over. So I had gone there right when Heather and I were dating, and I said, hey, I'd like to rent a book. And I said, um, I need a new library card. And she said, what's your last name? I said, Vincent. And she stared at me. Like, just, <laughs> like, what are the, yeah. <laughs> like, what's up? And she's like, you're one of them. And I'm like, what did I do? She goes, you have late fees in excess of like $130 or some crazy thing. Now, it might not seem like much, but I'm a you know, broke college kid. I'm like, are you kidding me? She's like, no. And, and I said, and my heart sank. I had this moment. I realized I, was, I used to live one way. And I'm like, I want to do this differently. So I looked at her. I had my checkbook when you used to write checks. And I wrote it out, $130. And I looked her in the eyes and I just said, I don't know her name. I said, the librarian, I'm really sorry. Can you forgive me? I paid for my whole family. My family doesn't even know. But I want, I want a library card. And <laughs> do a motivation. And she goes, there's nothing to forgive. And, I, and she goes, why the change? The moment in your repentance is the moment often that God will oper- open a door of opportunity that you didn't have prior. And I said, you know, two years ago, I had this experience with Jesus, and I gave my life to him. And she's like, oh, like, what, what, what was that like? I'll tell you more. And I said, can I just pray with you? And when I pray with somebody that I don't know where they're at, I won't go more than 10 seconds. Very short prayer. Not some Pentecostal prayer at that time, okay? <laughs> short, sweet. Let's move on here. I'm so far behind on my notes, but we're going to get there. You're with me. If you're with me, say yeah. yeah. Uh, is this good? Are we doing okay? Yeah. We're going a little deep, all right? But we're keeping it where everybody can come with us on this journey, all right? Joyce found in repentance. Lamentations chapter 1, verse 11. It says, all her people groan as they search for bread. They barter their treasures for food to keep themselves alive. Look, Lord, and consider, for I am despised. Do you realize what's happening in this scripture right here? Okay. What are they, what are they searching for? It starts with a B and ends in red. They're searching for bread. For those of you that were here last week, we talked about the Lord's Prayer. We talked about that part. Give us this day our daily bread. Remember what it represented? Our daily needs. No more are they like, man, we're living high after hog. They're like, God, we need you for our daily needs. We're desperate for you. They started to repent. When you start doing that, you start getting your joy back. But forgive me for whatever it is. He meets you right there. Lamentation, next verse, verse 12. The second part of it says, Is any suffering like my suffering that was inflicted on me that the Lord brought on me in the day of his fierce anger? In other words, here's what they realized. They repented, but what they realized is they couldn't blame Babylon for Babylon's destruction on Jerusalem. They realized the source of their infliction. It was God. They realized, they had this revelation as they repented. This was the Father. This was God that allowed this to take place. And I think there was starting to be this turning in their hearts, if I had to guess, of we weren't following His ways. He wants us back. He wants us back. Here's my last point this morning is this. Joy is found in accepting your circumstance, not coveting the former way. Accept where you're at. Not, not accept, accept where you're at. Pastor Derek and I, a couple years ago, when he first came on staff about four years ago, and how many of you just love Pastor Derek? Come on, come on, can we give him some love? 
tell you what, man, he's a real deal. His family's awesome. They, they've become just awesome friends. They're family with us now. They're, they're just incredible. Well, this was like our first pastor's conference together. We, we try to budget to go to a leadership conference once a year because as we're pouring out, we want to make sure we're pouring into ourselves with God. So we go to a pastor's conference. It wasn't Vegas. <laughs> um, and so uh, it, we didn't gamble much. And so we went to, I'm kidding, we didn't gamble at all. And we go um, to this church, and this church was incredible, huge church, and you can see like, you know, 5,000 people, there's about 3,000 pastors at this church, and in his church, sorry for those of you that are watching online, I might go out of focus here just for a second, but going straight down the aisle, all the way to the end, it was kind of like a runway um, that he had put in, you know, like when they do the, what is, I don't even know what that's called, when you like dress up fancy things and you go down the runway, what is that called, Somebody? Fashion show, thank you. Yeah, all right. It's just, you know, good on. All right. So I don't do them, obviously. And so he comes down, the pastor of this church, Jed Wildheit, and he says this. I'll never forget it. And I think this is for somebody here today. I really do. So I was praying this through this week. It, you ever been in a crowd, or maybe on a Sunday morning, you feel like I'm staring right at you, like it's for you? That ain't me, buddy. That's the Holy Spirit, so you better listen. And, and so that's how I felt. I'm like, there's 3,000 pastors. He's staring right at me. And Derek kicks me when he said it. And he goes, love your calling, not the one you wish you had. Love your calling, not the one you wish you had. I, we all think about our circumstance, or sometimes we think it's going to look differently, or things might be a little different. Maybe you're in your circumstance wishing it was different. Just accept where you're at and realize that God has you there for a purpose rather than coveting something else or the former way prior. Lamentations 1.16 says, No one is near to comfort me, no one to restore my spirit. See, the worst part of their misery was they didn't feel that God was there. They felt like he had abandoned them. And I just want to tell you this morning, even for them, if I was back then telling them the same thing, I would say no matter how many steps you take away, from God, he's still only one step away. Every time. Every, he's right there. Lamentations 12.2. My groans are many and my heart is faint. My groans are many my heart is faint. Ted and Lisa both preached on this. When we get to a place in prayer where we don't have the words, and it comes out as groans, you know, we believe in our church that that, that can be a prayer language that you have. And, and you can ask me more about that later. I'm not going to get into that right now, but Here's what takes place. Their, their heart, they're like, I, I, I don't even know how to pray because my heart's so heavy and I, I just want, I, God, I need you. I want you. And it's this prayer without words. I mean, that's so powerful. That's so powerful because they don't have a lot to hold on to, but they still have this little string of hope. They're like, I know, God, that you've done this on purpose and for a reason, and I'm going to cling just to that tiny little minuscule piece of hope. And that's what they did. And we'll read about later, we'll talk in five weeks. What happened on the other side of 70 years? Let me finish with this. You and I are a lot like Jerusalem. This is what I believe the application is for you and I. We've all gone astray. We've all worshipped things we shouldn't. We've all, we've all been there, including myself. Every single one of us deserves to be decimated. We deserve to be destroyed. Wow, Pastor Chris, thanks for the life-giving message today. But here's the deal. He doesn't destroy us. Instead, he saw the problem, and he has the perfect solution. 
And that was in His Son, Christ Jesus. In fact, one of the most famous scriptures in all the Bible, John 3.16, if you don't know it, look it up, but it's about Him sending His Son to give us life. Okay, And when we just ask Him to forgive us, He does. But I want to read just the verse after with you this morning, then pray, and we'll head over to the lake. Here it is right here. John 3.17, For God did not send His Son into the world to destroy or condemn, but what? In order that we, we're the world, might be saved through Him. To read like this, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn Jerusalem, but in order that Jerusalem might be saved through Him. You see, they allowed them to go through that so that they could find Him. God knows your family. He knows your history. He knows your story. He knows the good, the bad, and the ugly. He knows, he knows your closet sins. He knows the sins you share. He knows all of that and says you're worth it. He allows those things so that our hearts might be His for Him. Let's pray this morning. God, so grateful for who You are. I'm grateful that You love us. Lord, I'm thankful that You sent Your Son because You saw the problem is that we can't save ourselves. Oh, the Jews were trying. They couldn't do it. So you sent them into exile to depend on you. And this beautiful poem that Jeremiah wrote about the heavy heart, Lord, may we not have a heavy heart this morning, but a light heart because we know that we are the righteousness of God because of you. Jesus, when you come into our lives, you save us. And so this morning, if any of you just want to agree with me in this prayer, this is how we receive eternal life. It's not through a prayer, but a belief that Jesus, you are the one and only You love me, you save me, you forgive me. Take all my garbage, all my sin, all the stuff that I've done, and I just give it to you, I release it to you. Have your way in my life and lead me as I do my best to follow you. I turn from my ways. A 180, God, I repent and I want to follow you. I know I'm not going to do it perfectly, but I want to serve you all the days of my life. Meet me in my doubts. Meet me in my insecurities. Meet me even in the sin I feel that I can't get over. But today I choose you in your name. Amen. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.